0: And welcome to AJC Passport, brought to you by AJC, the diplomatic arm of the Jewish community. Each week, we'll chat with experts from around the world to help you better understand the week's headlines and what they all mean for Israel and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. Can you be shocked without being surprised? That's how I felt Tuesday morning as I read through the results of CNN's massive new survey on anti-Semitism in Europe. After surveying over 7,000 people, more than 1,000 each from Great Britain, France, Germany, Austria, Sweden, Hungary, and Poland, the network revealed a bleak set of statistics one-third of Europeans say they know little, if anything, about the Holocaust. Barely half, 54%, believe that Israel has a right to exist as a Jewish state. 40% said that Jews were at risk of violent attack in their countries. But 18% say that anti-Semitism is actually a response to the everyday behavior of Jews. And 28% said that most anti-Semitism in their countries was a reaction to the actions of the state of Israel. Perhaps the weirdest stat was how badly the respondents overestimated the size of world Jewry. A quarter of Hungarians and a fifth of Brits and Poles answered that they thought the world's population was at least 20% Jewish. In fact, only 0.2% of people in the world are Jewish. And while Israel is the only country in the world that is more than 2% Jewish, 40% of respondents guessed that their home country was between 3 and 10% Jewish. Lastly, most starkly 10% of all people surveyed just came out and said, that they have an unfavorable personal opinion of Jews. Joining us now to help us better understand the findings is one of the masterminds of the survey, CNN's chief international correspondent, Clarissa Ward. Clarissa, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Sefi.
0: Now, did you have a hypothesis going into this experiment? What did you think you were going to learn from this survey?
1: To be honest, I really I really didn't. This whole process started for me because of a conversation I had with a friend of mine who is French and Jewish and we were chatting about what it's like to be Jewish in Europe today and specifically in France and she told me that she doesn't tell people in France that she's Jewish and I was a little bit floored by that. Um, having grown up between the U.S. and the U.K., it sort of seemed inconceivable to me that in this day and age, anyone would feel they had to like hide their identity or their background um, from other people. And so I w- that's what really got me started thinking about it. And I started asking more questions and talking to more people. I had read a few articles about this issue, and I was discussing it with one of my managers here in London, and she was sort of like, you know, what we really need to do, rather than have this be just an anecdotal story, which a lot of stories about anti-Semitism have been, is like, let's commission a serious poll and let's actually find out how much of a problem this is, where the problem exists, why the problem exists. And so that's how this whole thing kind of started.
0: And ultimately, you found rather a widespread problem that kind of what your friend had said was something that it seemed like a lot of Jews were feeling across the continent. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely right. I mean, I think in many senses, the results of the poll were a lot more troubling than I had thought. I had anticipated that there would be some anti-Semitic ideas and behavior out there. I had not anticipated that it would be as widespread as it appears to be. I had not anticipated for example, that like some of these ugly, old, uh, typical anti-Semitic tropes or stereotypes that I think many of us had sort of hoped have been consigned to the history books are still alive and well uh, across Europe. So like 28% of Europeans think that Jewish people have too much influence over finance and business. One in five Europeans say Jews have too much influence in political affairs across the world. And when you drill down into individual countries, It gets even scarier. 42% of Hungarians think the Jewish people have too much influence over finance and business. I mean, these are old stereotypes. We're all familiar with them. But to see that they're kind of alive and well and thriving across Europe in what we would hope is more of an enlightened age was troubling, to say the least
0: you know here at AJC we talk a lot about the three-headed monster of anti-Semitism that you can't only tackle far-right anti-Semitism or only far left anti-Semitism no matter how much focusing on one to the exclusion of the other might suit your political desires. And you actually I think found you know anti-Semitism coming from you know I, I didn't see a, a breakdown by political party but its certainly what I saw seemed to suggest that there was definitely anti-Semitism prevalent among people of kind Kind of both political persuasions. And then, of course, the third head that you also can't ignore is the anti Semitism that comes from radical corners of the Muslim community in Europe, even if it may be kind of impolitic and, and uncomfortable to point that out. Did your findings back up our assessment?
1: With regards to the poll, the poll didn't have that granular level of detail where we could like draw upon any specific community. But anecdotally, absolutely. As I was traveling around Europe talking to countless members of the Jewish community of many different Jewish communities in various countries, it became clear that while I agree it would sort of be politically expedient for a lot of people to really consign this uh, as being strictly within the realm of the far right, Uh, The problem exists in many different areas. It permeates different strata of society, and there is no question that people within the Jewish community in Europe are absolutely feeling certainly anti-Semitism coming from the left, which they would say crosses the border of being critical of Israel and veers into just downright anti-Semitism, particularly here in the U.K. where I live. Of course, it's no secret there has been a huge amount of discussion about anti-Semitism, within the Labour Party, which is the Mm -hmm. sort of opposition party here, but it's the main party, the main opposition party, and the uh, leadership of Jeremy Corbyn, who is the Labour Party leader who has been criticized by many people, not just people within the Jewish community, for his handling or mishandling of the anti-Semitism within his own party. And then when you talk about a country like France, you cannot ignore when you look at particularly some of the most violent anti-Semitic attacks, when you look at attacks on Jewish schools, for example, that there exists a problem as well in pockets of the Muslim community and in radicalization and how that feeds into the whole issue of anti-Semitism. Now, when you look at Germany, it's also interesting because I think there's a sense among German Jews that, you know, neo-Nazis have been around for a long time. And right now they may be speaking more publicly and they may feel emboldened to air these ugly views that before would have been seen as taboo or politically incorrect, but now in this zeitgeist are kind of being uttered once again. But they are sort of more comfortable with that threat because it's a threat that they're used to. It's a threat that they have come to understand. It's familiar. They feel that authorities are kind of on top of that. They, by and large, were telling us in the course of our interviews that they're more uncomfortable with the threat from the left, with the arrival of 1.4 million Muslim refugees, most of whom, of course, are peace-abiding citizens who want to just live in a calm and stable and peaceful environment, but who may bring with them attitudes from the Middle East that perhaps are not as compatible with the kind of the ways that we understand anti-Semitism versus criticism of Israel, et cetera, all of these difficult, thorny issues. And when you grow up in a society where you don't have that kind of integration, they obviously have concerns about those attitudes and how they're playing out in schools, particularly, but also on the streets. So, which is a very long winded way of answering your question, but there (laughs) isn't a short way to answer it. But basically what you're saying is correct. This is a three-headed monster. Um, It exists in many different pockets of society, and until you get each element or each community or each ideology or theology to kind of take ownership of that, to take responsibility, to concede that it exists within their own communities, that's where the real problem lies because then you can't have a discussion about it. And I think that's pronounced particularly in the Muslim community because one thing that our polling showed is like the Muslims are really more victim of hatred, racial hatred, Islamophobia than any other community with perhaps the exception of the Roma they feel that they're victims, they feel disenfranchised, they feel discriminated against. It's difficult for them often in this moment in time to kind of say, oh yes, you know oh, you know we have a problem with anti-Semitism some of them might recognize it, but they feel that their own sense of being discriminated against really kind of is more pressing to them in terms of the issues that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Now, one of the findings was that half of the respondents felt that their government should do more to combat anti-Semitism. Do you think that they are thinking about this kind of trifocal approach to combat anti-Semitism? Or do you think, and I'm sure you don't have the data to reflect this, but I'm curious mm-hmm. for your perspective, do you think what they really mean by that is, you know, I'm a creature of the right and I think that, you know, we need to be cracking down on those leftists or vice versa or I don't like Muslims and I think Muslims don't like Jews or, you know, what do Mm -hmm. do you think there's Mm -hmm. something behind this? Is there a real recognition of what anti-Semitism is behind that widespread desire to see governments do more?
1: Well, I think that is. I think you really sort of hit on the key nerve issue here that certainly I found, not so much in the data of the polling, because as I said, we didn't have that level of detail, but anecdotally, based on my experiences, based on my conversation and interviews, and I'm talking dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews across many different countries, is that, No one wants to take responsibility for anti-Semitism. No one wants to admit that it exists in their own communities. And everybody wants to define it, I think, as something other, like, oh, that's the right wing that's responsible for that. That's the Muslims that's responsible for that. That's the lefties who are responsible for that. That's Israel that's responsible for that. Everyone has their own preconceived notion about where anti-Semitism comes from. And very rarely are they willing to acknowledge that it also comes from within I think there are notable exceptions to that. So you look at a country like Germany, and obviously Germany has you know, traditionally over the past decades really tried to atone for the sins of its past and to confront its history and to learn from the horrors of the Holocaust. And we see a very proactive attitude from the German government in terms of wanting to combat this, appointing an anti-Semitism czar. Um, This is the first time they've had to appoint someone like that. He was appointed back in April. He is talking very publicly about the issue. He is addressing the many different communities or different pockets or political ideologies uh, that nurture or harbor anti-Semitic views. And so I think the Germans are kind of, even though they are suffering so much from the problem, they're also kind of blazing a trail in terms of one of the key components to really dealing with this issue is to confront it head on, to admit that there's a problem, and to try to encourage a dialogue that is sensitive to the needs and, you know, the starting point of each community or of each ideology that maybe has a problem with anti Semitism, but that it is also open and transparent and willing to have that conversation in the first place.
0: Last question. You know, I I work on anti-Semitism issues every day. We at, at AJC, my colleagues in our offices across Europe are constantly focused on this issue. So were we distressed by some of what we saw in the findings? Certainly. But did it surprise us? Maybe less so. The only thing that caught me totally off guard were the Mm. responses to the questions about the size of the world Jewish community. And honestly, I I don't even know if I would have thought to ask it. What do we learn from the fact that Europeans think that there are way more Jews in the world than there really are?
1: Right. Well, this is, again, you know, obviously when you're doing a survey about anti-Semitism, you can't sort of ask questions like, do you hate Jews? Do you think (laughs) Jews are terrible? Do you have – you have to be very kind of subtle – in how you ask them. and there are Although when you
0: did ask that, 10% of people said that they had personally unfavorable feelings towards Jews. Right,
1: which was really shocking. And by the way, 19% of Hungarians, a fifth of Hungarians admit to openly having an unfavorable impression of Jews. I mean, that kind of blew me away because it's like, yes, many people may harbor those kinds of beliefs, but it's very unusual to be so sort of open and straightforward about it. But the question of the size of the Jewish population is one of those... I won't call it a trick question, but it's a very revealing question, let's say. And Mm -hmm. it's a question that's often used on these types of surveys because – Invariably, what happens is that people tend to grossly overestimate the number of Jews worldwide, but also the population of Jews within their communities, because they have this kind of inbuilt hypothesis or bias that tells them Jews are so powerful, Jews control the media, Jews control this ergo there must be lots of Jews. Um, And then when they are confronted with the reality that the Jewish population in the vast majority of these countries is relatively tiny, especially when you're talking about Hungary and Poland, which uh, were some of the worst offenders in terms of how they turned out in these polls, um, then you really start to see how much of this is born out of ignorance. How much, you know, another question that I found so shocking, uh, Sefi, was how many people actually admitted to the fact that they'd never met a Jew? Mm -hmm. They were never Mm -hmm. been friends with a Jew. They don't have experience of Jewish people, of the Jewish community, uh, of the richness of Jewish culture, of Jewish heritage, of Jewish history. It's shocking to hear that, especially in a place like Poland, which, you know, up until the show, uh, was such a vibrant part uh, of Polish life and, and tradition and culture and history. And uh, that, to me, is disturbing because it speaks to ignorance. And ignorance is particularly hard to combat. And another thing that I think we have to mention here was just the level of ignorance about the Holocaust yeah. and how, in this day and age, how, with all the emphasis that is put on this in syllabus uh, across Europe, growing up in high school, you learn all about the Holocaust. How can we be in a situation today where 20% of French people between the ages of 18 and 34 say they've never heard of the Holocaust? I asked the chief rabbi of Poland, Michael Schudrich, this exact question. I said, how do you feel when you hear these you know, these statistics. And he said, you know what? I have more work to do. That's what this tells me. I have more work to do. I need to be talking more to ministers of education. And I think that the rest of Europe should pay attention to that attitude. We have a lot of work to do.
0: Indeed, we do. Clarissa, thank you so much for this truly important work, uh, a very impressive journalism. And thank you as well for your time. Take care.
1: Thank you so much, Sefi.
0: Joining us now to talk about how this new data impacts her daily work fighting anti-Semitism in Europe is Simone Rodin-Benziken, the Paris-based director of AJC Europe. Simone, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Many people are shocked by the findings of the CNN survey. Are you one of them?
2: No, uh, I'm seriously not one of them. Um we have known and have dealt with the issue of antisemitism for um at least uh, 18 years when it uh, started to appear in several European countries in the early years of 2000. And uh, we're not at all surprised. Previous studies have clearly shown uh, that anti-Semitism is uh, live and kicking. Uh, We have done, as AJC, several studies ourselves and have clearly gotten an understanding that uh, anti-Semitism is getting worse in several European countries. So no, I'm not at all surprised.
0: You know, one thing that I've thought for a while now about the difference between anti-Semitism you know back then, whether that means in the you know fascist years or, or communist years of many European countries, and anti-Semitism of today is that once, it was the governments spurring on the people to be more and more anti-Semitic and suspicious of Jews because that helped authoritarian governments cement their place as kind of the rightful leaders protecting people from um, threats within and without. But now, so many of the governments are in... The right place on this issue. And it's actually kind of the populist masses who are maintaining anti-Semitism. Is that right? Are the governments in the right place on this issue? Are we happy with what we're seeing from them?
2: Yes, first of all, I think you're right when you speak about the past. That being said, anti-Semitism also very much existed in the populations, uh, um, in European populations uh, back in the, in, in the 20s and 30s, and uh, the governments often played on that. Um, mm-hmm. So, But you're also right that today the situation is very different and that uh, many European governments have come to understand that the problem of anti-Semitism is severe and uh, have tried their best to combat it uh, to some extent. That being said, um, many European governments, it, ha- it has taken them a very long time. To get to understand that there was a problem, and I think we have wasted, unfortunately, many many years where uh, we could have, or the European governments could have probably done more. Uh, AJC, as early as in the as in the 2000s, um, came to France, for example, um, when the beginning of the anti-Semitic acts started to take place and started to become uh, relatively more and more violent, and confronted the different governments uh, and. Uh, Our CEO, David Harris, still recalls a meeting with then President Jacques Chirac in France where um, when he pointed towards the issue of anti-Semitism, the response was, uh, I know my country and that problem doesn't exist. Hmm. So we unfortunately wasted many, many years. But again, you're right. Today, the situation is indeed different. Many countries have spoken out. Uh, Germany is certainly one of them. France is one of them. The UK is one of them. Um, Others have been weaker, um, in particular in some of the northern European countries, such as in Sweden. We are still um, in a certain state of denial, despite the fact that anti-Semitism has become very, very strong in certain neighborhoods, has entirely evicted the Jewish communities from there. And then there are other countries uh, where anti-Semitism, I wouldn't say doesn't come at all from the government, um but where there have been accusations in the past that some sort of populist discourse is taking place and i'm thinking of course of countries in particular in in central and eastern europe um where sort of anti-semitic stereotypes are being conveyed uh, in particular when speaking about uh, George Soros, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to look at different countries in, in in Europe, but I would say that a majority of European countries indeed have now taken up the issue taken this issue very very seriously.
0: How has this survey been received by your interlocutors in European governments? I I mean, you know, it only just dropped yesterday, but I'm I'm sure you've heard from some people already. What are they saying about it? And do you think that there's any way that this study can provide a kind of roadmap for any new initiatives to fight anti-Semitism?
2: Well, first of all, yeah, the condemnation has been very clear everywhere in Europe. Uh, several politicians in Europe have tweeted uh, and communicated around it. Um, I think there is a really a growing understanding amongst many European leaders that it's, that the problem of anti-Semitism is not just confined in their own country, but it's really a problem that is starting to grow um, across the European continent and that a common response to some extent needs to be given. Um, I think one of the issues that is probably lacking in the, in the poll itself and something that we have um, insisted upon um, in our previous polls that we did in several European countries or in particular in France is um, to sort of get a more detailed understanding where the anti-Semitism is coming from. Um, I think one of the weaknesses is the fact that um, you don't really understand whether it's basically across the population or whether it's only happening within certain groups. I can tell you, for example, that we did a poll back in 2014 um, here in France, where we found that um, overall the problem of uh, the the anti-Semitic attitudes are more or less the same or have been more or less the same over the sort of past 20, 30 years here in France. Um, But when you look at uh, certain populations and certain voter groups in particular, you understand that the problem actually does come from particular pockets of within this in, in society, so in France, for example, we did find that anti Semitism comes from the far left in particular uh, from the far right and from within a certain um, aspect, a certain, popular, certain aspects of within the Muslim community. Um, So I think it's important to have this understanding because only then, uh, only when you sort of get a very fine understanding, you are able to uh, find an appropriate response for it. Um, only when you understand exactly that certain pockets of the population are affected, you're able to find the medicine that can cure the disease, um, if I may say so. <laughs> in terms of uh, the understanding of European government leaders, um, there are several countries, I think, that have um, uh, really sort of tried to put certain plans in place. Um I think that I think, of course, in particular of uh, the UK, of, of, of Germany, uh, of France uh, and others. Um, but I think at this stage, what is still missing to some extent is sort of a concerted effort um, on the European level to address the problem. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, of course, we now have a European coordinator on anti-Semitism, uh, Katrina von Schnoor, but, but there is really no no real everyday sort of concerted effort in, in combating anti-Semitism on a European level. Uh, the other aspect I would say is um, that there are certain uh, countries who have adopted um, that have adopted the working definition of anti-Semitism that helps um sort of identify when anti Semitism is actually anti Semitism and in particular looking at the new forms of anti Semitism that come from the from the anti Zionism. Um but um there are several European countries despite the fact uh, that uh, they have sort of been outspoken in the combating of anti-Semitism, that still have not uh, really endorsed that working definition. So a lot more uh, can clearly be done, um, and in particular in terms of the, sort of the effort on the European level that can be that could be done more.
0: And so can our listeners understand that AJC, under your direction in Europe, is working hard to, you know help coordinate some kind of a continental response to anti-Semitism, and also working with countries that have not yet adopted that definition of anti-Semitism to do so?
2: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, We are working amongst our European offices, our seven outposts here in Europe, to get the different countries to adopt the working definition. Um, Right now, there is actually a text in the working under the presidency of Austria of the European Union, uh, where the idea would be to have a a common adoption of the working definition. And of course, all of our offices, whether it's in Brussels, Paris, Berlin, Rome, uh, or Warsaw, uh, we are all working together to make sure that this is actually being adopted and then, of course, um, applied on national level in each of those countries.
0: Simone, my last question comes from a little bit more of a personal place. I posted an article about this survey on Facebook, and one of my friends who has a lot of family in Northern Europe but who doesn't live on the continent herself said, yes, this all feels really true to me but what can I do about it? Simone, what are some things people could be doing about European antisemitism?
2: Well, first and foremost, I think, is to speak out to inform yourself um, more, especially thinking, of course, about the the young generation. One of the things that was also quite striking in the poll was the fact that um, many people don't know anything about the Holocaust. Now, not only do people not know about the Holocaust or little about the Holocaust, but um, there is also a lack of understanding of how the Holocaust relates, uh, how the lessons of the Holocaust relate to today. So I would say first and foremost is informing, alerting, and speaking to friends and and others as much as possible. Um, Second, I would say, is making sure that if you're in the United States, there is a possibility, of course, of getting involved in different organizations. Uh, One of them, of course, and the best one of them, of course, being AJC. (laughs) um, Of course. um, Because we actually make sure that the issue is not forgotten, whether it's on the American side, meaning through Congress, uh, through our political context, and civil society contacts that we do have, and then in the rest of the world and most notably um, in Europe. Um, Second, I would say, is I think uh, in the world of social media, in the world of conspiracy theories, Uh, it's absolutely necessary that the right voices are being heard. So uh, while there is a lot of anti-Semites and a lot of racists that get their voices heard, there is a tendency, I think, for the right-thinking people um, to be more timid about it. Um, So um, I think uh, communicating, uh, ringing the alarm bells, and writing about this publicly, and in particular on social media, um, is absolutely crucial.
0: Terrific. Simone, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Now it's time for our closing segment, Good for the Jews, where each week I share one final thought about a recent development in the world and try to answer that age-old question. Is it good for the Jews? Christmas music. Good for the Jews? There's been a great deal of conversation about immigration this week, and many Americans have retreated into their political corners. But from the center, the answer is obvious. If only our elected leaders could find the political courage to act. We need a fair asylum process. We need immigration reform. We need real regional cooperation. And, ultimately, we need immigrants to continue American growth and success. But what does that have to do with Christmas music? Well, now that Thanksgiving is in our rearview mirror, Christmas is all around us. And while it's not a Jewish holiday, it's hard not to be dreaming of a white Christmas when the strains of that Irving Berlin classic are piped into malls and beamed over the airwaves all across the country. And the Russian born Irving Berlin, born Israel Isidore Balin, is in good company as a Jewish composer of Christmas music. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire comes from Mel Torme, the son of Russian Jewish immigrants. Let It Snow is the product of collaboration between Sammy Khan, the son of Galician immigrants, and Jewel Stein, born in England to Hungarian Jews. And It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year comes to us in part from Hungarian Jew Edward Pola, born Sydney Edward Pola. Polisek. Of course, even more famous than Irving Berlin's White Christmas is his unofficial second national anthem, God Bless America. Indeed, God had blessed America with so many generations of productive immigrants and with the foresight and kindness to see the importance of welcoming newcomers to our shores. Perhaps this season of thankfulness and cheer not to mention Hanukkah lights, will help inspire bold leadership toward immigration reform, just like the ones I used to know. That would certainly be good for the Jews. You can subscribe to AJC Passport on iTunes or on Stitcher. Follow us on SoundCloud or learn more at AJC.org Passport. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at passport at AJC.org. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and write a review to help more listeners find us. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. This episode is brought to you by AJC, the American Jewish Committee. Our producer is Alex Zeldin. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. Tune in next week for another episode of AJC Passport.